Turn this afternoon in God's Word to one of the minor prophets, Micah. Micah chapter 5. Micah 5, we read the word of the Lord. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops, He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem, Africa, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth, and the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. And this man shall be the peace And the Assyrian shall come into our land, and when he shall tread in our palaces, then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men. And they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword, and the land of Nimrod and the entrances thereof. Thus thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrian when he cometh into our land, and when he treadeth within our borders." And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass that tarrieth not for man, nor waiteth for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he go through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Thine hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that I will cut off thy horses out of the midst of thee, and I will destroy thy chariots. And I will cut off the cities of thy land, and throw down all thy strongholds. And I will cut off witchcrafts out of thine hand, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers. Thy graven images also will I cut off, and thy standing images out of the midst of thee, and thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. And I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee, so will I destroy thy cities." And I will execute vengeance in anger and fury upon the heathen, such as they have not heard. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May God bless the reading of his word unto our hearts. The text that we consider for the sermon this afternoon, considering looking, continuing looking at the 
prophecies of the Messiah, we consider verse 2 of Micah 5. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, it can be easy for us as New Testament saints who are many hundreds, even thousands of years removed from the birth of Christ in Bethlehem to miss out on the miraculous accuracy of the Old Testament prophets as they foretold the birth of the Messiah. Imagine that someone was to come to you and to tell you, I know who is going to be the next president of the United States. And not only do I know who the next president is going to be, but I know as well the birthplace of this next president, and I can tell you what type of ruler he's going to be as he rules over the United States. Well, perhaps one would be dismissive of that and say, well, you simply looked at the most likely candidates and you've taken a calculated guess at who's going to be the next president. So then that person replies and says, okay, I not only can tell you who will be the next president in his hometown, but I can tell you 500 years down the road who will be president, what his hometown will be, and what type of a ruler he will be. In 2,523, I know who the President of the United States will be. Now that would be remarkable. And that's precisely what Micah, the prophet of the Lord, does here in this text. Out of the thousands of the towns and villages and cities that were to be found in the land of Judah, Micah correctly foretold which town would be the place where the Messiah would be born. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little out of the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth that is to be ruler in Israel. What faith would have been necessary on behalf of the Old Testament Israelites to believe this report? Who's going to believe this man when he says he knows where the Messiah will come from? Just as it took faith for Old Testament Israel to believe Micah's report, 
So we in the New Testament need faith to believe this word of God. Nobility from little Bethlehem. We'll consider first the promise that God makes in this text. Second, consider some reasons for this promise. And then third, the blessing that comes from it. The promise that God gave to Israel through the prophet Micah was that he would provide for Israel a future ruler. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. A ruler is one who has a measure of power, authority, who has the right to impose his will upon those who are the citizens underneath his authority or power. Old Testament Israel understood very well the significance of having a good ruler. In many ways, the success of the nation was tied unto the effectiveness of the particular ruler of Israel. And so if God would give unto them a king like David or like Solomon, a man who was godly, a man who was skilled in fighting off the enemies, then Israel as a nation would collectively enjoy peace and prosperity. The idols would be removed from the land of Israel the faithful worship of Jehovah God would be restored by these kings, and Israel would follow the direction and the leadership of these kings. But then if there would arise a king who was ungodly, a man who did not carry out the faithful worship of Jehovah God in the temple, a man who was not skilled in warfare, a man who did not dare or did not have the ability to fight off the surrounding nations, then the enemies would come in, they would have their way with the Israelites, and idolatry would take over instead of the faithful worship of Jehovah. And so Israel was keenly interested in who will be this ruler. Will he be a man of honor and godliness and strength and conviction? Or will this ruler be like unto the weak and sinful kings of Israel? Micah describes this ruler. He's going to be a unique ruler. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. This ruler, this king, would be from of old, even from everlasting. The prophet Micah was here teaching the people that this king would be eternal. Even though he would be born in little Bethlehem, Ephrata, yet Bethlehem would not ultimately be the beginning of this king. But his goings forth have been from of old. His goings forth 
The scriptures uses that phrase in a number of different senses, and one way in which it uses that is to speak of the word of God as the word of God goes forth. This ruler, who's going to be the ruler in Israel, will have his goings forth, just as the word of God goes forth from of old, even from everlasting. And the idea that Micah is communicating here is that this king is not going to have a beginning or an ending. But this king is going to be the everlasting, even the eternal king. His goings forth have been from from eternity. Eternally, this king who is, we understand, the second person of the Trinity the Son of God, His goings forth have been from eternity, for He is eternally begotten of God the Father. And then this King, whose goings forth have been from of old, is going to have great power as He rules over Israel. Some of that power is described in the following verses. He's going to be the one who will deliver Israel from captivity. The second half of verse 3. Then, after Christ is brought forth, then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. Babylon, that's where the Israelites would be taken into captivity. It's there that they would not be able to worship God in the temple. It's there that their harps would be silent. But then there would come forth this king whose goings forth have been from of old, and this ruler is going to restore that remnant out of captivity and bring the remnant unto the promised land of Canaan. And then as well, according to the fourth verse, this promised ruler is going to feed and nourish the Israelites. Verse 4, And he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Israel not only needed deliverance to be set free from their captors, but Israel also needed to be sustained. They needed regular nourishment. And so this everlasting ruler who's going to come forth is going to give unto them bread and meat so that they can be nourished with the sustenance that is given to them. This sort of a king then would be a highly desirable king. Israel would have wanted this sort of ruler, a king who is powerful, a king who is going to set them free so that the remnant can return to Jerusalem, a king who is going to nourish them so that their bellies are filled with food. But where then will this king come from? A king who is going to perform such mighty things, a king who is going to be desired by the nation of Israel, Where will such an important and prestigious king come from? This ruler, according to the text, will come from little Bethlehem, Ephrathah. 
but thou, Bethlehem, Africa, though thou be little among the thousands of, Is of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. Bethlehem, literally, house of bread. Bethlehem, Ephrata, which distinguishes this village named Bethlehem from another village in the north, which is found in Galilee, which was also called Bethlehem. The Bethlehem that was in the north in Galilee was Bethlehem Zebulun, this Bethlehem, Bethlehem Ephrata, found in the south, is just a few miles outside of the city of Jerusalem. It was in this little Bethlehem Ephrata that the great ruler whose goings forth have been from old would be born. There were, humanly speaking, many different places where such an important person could have been born. There were thousands in Israel and Judah where this king could have been born. He could have been born in one of the more prestigious cities up north. He could have come from Bethlehem Zebulun, which was not far removed from Nazareth, which would be where this promised Messiah would grow up. He could have come from Cana of Galilee, where the wedding feast was held and where Jesus performed his first miracle. He could have come from Capernaum, which is where the great nobleman lived at. Or if one traveled from the northern end of Canaan down to the southern end of Canaan, there were any numbers of cities in Judah where this great king could have come from. He could have been born in Jericho, which historically was the gateway city into the land of Canaan. Or there was the port city of Joppa, which was found right along the coast, along the Mediterranean Sea, and was an important center for trade and for commerce. Or, perhaps the most logical choice, humanly speaking, Jerusalem, the great city of the king. Jerusalem, with its natural fortifications, the mountains that surrounded it. Jerusalem, which had been established as the political and the religious center of the nation of Israel. Jerusalem, with its strong, thick walls, with the temple that had been built by Solomon found in that city. Jerusalem, where a long line of royal kings had been born, had been raised, and had served as the ruler over this covenant nation. Jerusalem seems to be a logical place for nobility to be born. Bethlehem. What would God's choice be? That's the question that matters, after all. 
Not what would I want or would you want. Not what would the Israelites of old have wanted. You can only imagine the amount of fighting and quarreling. If God had left it up to Israel to make this choice, you determine what city the great king is going to come from. The question isn't what would man want, but the question is what was God's will? Little Bethlehem, Africa. Little could otherwise be translated as insignificant. As one traveled by Bethlehem, there was nothing about Bethlehem, Africa that captured one's attention, that stood out, that was noteworthy. She was little from the point of view of her size. So little that when Joseph and Mary came to town, there was no room for them in the inn. It was like perhaps any other town in the land of Israel at that point in history. A few small businesses perhaps in the town, but mostly a rural area, farmers, shepherds, who kept their sheep in the surrounding hills around the village of Bethlehem. Little also from the point of view of her historical significance. The Old Testament scriptures do not exalt Bethlehem as being a noteworthy place. For the most part, the Old Testament scriptures say very little about Bethlehem. We are told that Rachel, the wife of Jacob, was buried in Bethlehem. We also know that Elimelech, who was married to Naomi, who fled during a famine to the land of Moab, that before Elimelech and Naomi fled to Moab, they came from Bethlehem. We also know that David, the great king, was born in Bethlehem. But apart from that, the Old Testament scriptures are more or less silent about this community. But what especially stands out about the littleness of Bethlehem is her spiritual littleness. It wasn't just that she physically was a small town. It wasn't just that historically she was rather insignificant. But it's especially this, beloved, spiritually she was, we might say, insignificant. The town was not a spiritual bastion. This becomes clear from the very birth of Jesus Christ. Recall that when Joseph and Mary came to town, Mary was heavily pregnant, soon to be delivered. And so, Joseph and Mary go around and they're looking for a place where they can spend the night and where Mary can deliver her firstborn child. They go around knocking on door after door and find 
that there is no room in this town of Bethlehem. Now we can understand that all of the rooms were full in the inns and in the homes, for after all, a decree had gone forth from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And so, understandably, there were a great number of people in town at that moment in time. But what is not understandable, or at least not justifiable, is the fact that not a single person in that town understood the plight that Joseph and Mary were in and said, here, you have my room. I can see that you are soon to be delivered of your child. I will give up my place so that you can have a spot to deliver your firstborn child. Not even a single mother who knew full well the pain of travail offered to give up her room for this young woman to deliver her child. The fact that little Bethlehem Ephrata had no room for Mary to deliver her firstborn child was a picture of the fact that little Bethlehem Ephrata had no room in her heart for Jesus. Little Bethlehem Ephrata, if the choice were left up to them, would have rejected Jesus Christ, wanted nothing to do with them. And little Bethlehem Ephrata, beloved, pictures you and me. If the choice were ours, there would be no room in our hearts for this great king to rule. God chose, and God communicated to Israel his choice of little Bethlehem. For what reason did God choose this as the place where his eternally begotten son would be born? Two things that we call attention to here. First of all, to demonstrate the unworthiness of any town to be the birthplace of the Messiah. You see, God, as Jehovah God selected little Bethlehem Ephrata to be the place where Jesus was born, was saying no to the thousands throughout the land of Judah. God was saying no to the cities of the north. It would not be Nazareth where he was born. It would not be Cana. It would not be Capernaum where he would come from. God as well was saying no unto the powerful cities of the south, saying no to Jerusalem, saying no unto Jericho, that gateway city, saying no unto the seaport city of Joppa. God was saying no unto those cities because of the wickedness that was found throughout the land of Israel at this point in history. Earlier in the book of Micah, Micah calls attention to the great evil that's found in this land. Micah 3, verse 10. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. 
Israel at this point in history is not a spiritually strong nation. Israel is not receptive unto the instruction of the Lord through the prophets that was given unto them. And so God, as part of his chastisement upon Israel, said no unto the thousands throughout Judah, selecting little Bethlehem. But then what about Bethlehem? May Bethlehem then swell out its chest in pride and say, look at me. God rejected all of these other cities, but God has chosen me now to have this honor of being the birthplace of this great ruler. Could Bethlehem pat itself on the back as being holier than the other cities of the nation? They could not. There is no room in Bethlehem for boasting, for in the first place, God was the one who had chosen Bethlehem. It wasn't as if Bethlehem had said, we will offer to be this place where the great king is born. We desire that the great king is born here. No. As we said, subsequent history shows that Bethlehem had no room for the king, but God in his sovereign decree determined that little Bethlehem would be the place. But in the second place, Bethlehem had no room for boasting because of how God describes them. Little. Little. Insignificant. Even spiritually insignificant. Bethlehem will be the place where the king is born. This is God's word to us as well today. How unworthy we are of having this great king rule over us by his grace. Would there in the United States of America even be a desire to have a great king born in one of its cities? Israel, if Israel was given the choice, they would have competed one with another to be the birthplace of this great king. But would any city in the United States of America even want to be the birthplace of God's son if he were to be born here in the state? God, in saying yes to little Bethlehem Ephrata, was rejecting the strong, the mighty, the prestigious of this earth. God was showing that those who received the salvation that this ruler would give, received that salvation as a gift of grace. God is not a respecter of persons. God does not choose that which is great, that which is mighty, that which is noble in the estimation of men to be his people while passing over those who are lowly. But God chooses the lowly and the little. So the first reason why Bethlehem Ephrata is chosen is to demonstrate the unworthiness of any other town. 
But then secondly, little Bethlehem Ephrata is chosen so that God's name might be exalted. And that comes out here in this text when it says in the second half, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. There would come forth out of Bethlehem unto me that is unto God. One who would be ruler in Israel. This one who would be born in the village would be born for God. He would be God's Savior. Not God's Savior in the sense that God needed to be saved, but God's Savior in this sense that He came forth from the decree of God. He came forth in God's timing, in the fullness of time. He came forth according to God's will that He be born of a woman, that He be made under the law. He came forth for God. But why would God then choose that this one whose goings forth have been from of old, even from everlasting, the one who is the eternally begotten Son of God, why would God determine that one who is so great be born in little Bethlehem, Ephrata? Is not the explanation this, beloved, that God is pleased to use the weakest means to fulfill His will? God could have used whatever means he wanted for his son to be born, could have chosen the most prestigious city in Israel for Jesus to be born in. And yet God chose weak and lowly Bethlehem so that it would be abundantly clear that salvation is not of man, but salvation is of the Lord. That Jesus would be born in Bethlehem belong to the, what we call the humiliation of Jesus Christ. He was humbled all of his life long, and his humiliation began in the fact that he was born of a woman in a town where they had no room for him, and so his crib was a manger. Jesus Christ was humbled in such a way, beloved exactly because of your and my offenses. What necessitates such a humiliation? Why must Jesus condescend even down to the depths of the hellish agonies poured out upon him at the cross? It's exactly because you and I have rebelled against God. To make abundantly clear that salvation is not of man, but salvation is of the Lord. It was necessary that Jesus Christ be born in this little, insignificant village. Throughout so much of Jesus' life, he himself was insignificant. The prophet Isaiah tells us there is no form or comeliness 
that we should desire him. For 30 out of his 33 years, people paid very little attention to him. His ministry only lasted, his public ministry only lasted three years. For a while, there were crowds of people that followed him, attracted mostly because of his ability to perform miracles. But then when he began to teach that his kingdom is spiritual and not physical, then suddenly that great interest that the multitudes of people had in him diminished. His life ended with his body being hanged upon a cross on a hill outside of Jerusalem. This man, whose goings forth have been from of old, even from everlasting, was appointed to be ruler in Israel unto God. God would be praised. God was the one who sent Jesus into this world. And God was the one who then brought Jesus Christ back unto him raising him from the dead on the third day. Zechariah 4, verse 10, For who hath despised the day of small things? What a blessing this was for Bethlehem. A privilege that the Son of the Most High God would be born in this village. Bethlehem was little, but she was not the least. In the New Testament, the inspired writer Matthew reflects on this very fact in Matthew 2, verse 6. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. This little community would never be forgotten. And thousands of years later, children still learn about Bethlehem, the birthplace of the king. What a blessing as well this was for Israel, the nation of Israel. As God came to Israel through the prophet Micah and delivered this prophecy unto them, God was giving comfort and encouragement unto his people. Even though Israel had fallen spiritually into a low, low place, even though they had fallen away from the faithful worship of Jehovah and did not heed the instruction of the prophets, yet God would not sever his covenant with Old Testament Israel, but God maintained that covenant and God gave unto Old Testament Israel the promise of this coming ruler who had come out of Bethlehem, Ephrata, a ruler born whose name would be Jesus, for he would save his people from their sins. And then as well, beloved, what a blessing this is for us that there would come forth a ruler in Israel born in Bethlehem. 
A blessing for us, for he still is our king. The text emphasizes that he is the eternal king who is from everlasting. Bethlehem would be his birthplace, but Bethlehem was not his beginning. He is God of gods and Lord of lords. He is the eternal, the uncreated, the I am that I am who establishes his kingdom until this present moment in time. The might of this ruler would extend far beyond little Bethlehem Ephrata. After his death and his resurrection, he would ascend up into heaven. He would pour out upon the New Testament church his Holy Spirit. And as the Spirit was poured out upon the church, his kingdom would go forth and grow and grow. His rule would spread outside of the land of Judah into the region of the Middle East, up into Asia Minor, and then Europe. And then his rule would spread from Europe across the ocean to the United States of America. So far is the extent of his domain that his rule is over your heart. He rules, not as a tyrant, but he rules according to his grace, by his word, and by his spirit. He softens hard hearts which otherwise would reject him. He humbles. He convicts. He comforts by his own poured out spirit upon the church. Thanks be to God for the gift of this ruler from little Bethlehem. Amen. Our Father and our God in heaven, how great thou art and greatly to be praised. There is no one else like unto thee. We stand in awe of thy power, thy majesty. We worship thee in the beauty of holiness. We are thankful for the gift of thy Son. Teach us never to take him for granted but daily to live our lives in grateful obedience unto Thee. Wilt Thou receive our worship, and wilt Thou bless us in the week ahead. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.